This episode of What's Tech is brought to you by Igloo. In this day and age, there's no shortages of ways to collaborate. You can use shared FTP drives, company-wide chat apps, or maybe you can use the one thing that's been neglected for a while, your corporate communications portal. While each app might serve a purpose, the sheer volume and fragmentation can be overwhelming for people at work these days. That's why you should try Igloo. It combines department spaces, team calendars, corporate file sharing, internal communications capabilities, social features, and plenty more easily. Igloo is an intranet you'll actually like. Join your IT professional and try Igloo today. Sign up for your free trial at igloosoftware.com tech. About a month ago, I got a, the distinct privilege of being able to travel to College Station, Texas. It's basically just where Texas A&M University, uh, a widely known college, is located. And I got to go there because I was covering the Hyperloop Pod Design Competition, which is sponsored by SpaceX, the noted private space corporation run by Elon Musk. And the idea was that uh, SpaceX would hold this competition and thousands of college students from not just this country, but around 20 countries around the world would come and present their designs for the pod. It was a fascinating event. It was just being surrounded by these uh, enthusiastic college students, uh, these uh, engineering students, their designs, their models, their plans, they were in full-on sales mode. Every time you would pass by one of their uh, one of their booths, they would reach out and grab you and they wanted to explain, you know, what their pod was all about and how it was going to, you know, revolutionize this form of travel, this form of transportation that j- does not exist yet and probably will not exist. Uh, in any real uh, sort of uh, legitimate capacity for for years now. So can can uh, I ask you a question? Sure. Did you like maybe just once pretend to be a Texas oil tycoon who could <laughs> maybe buy their pod? <laughs> like, well, mm, I do declare. Sort of. Apparently, my... my Texas oil tycoon is from also from Louisiana. He was born and raised, <laughs> right. moved to Texas, struck it gold. Just hook my thumbs behind my suspenders and. <laughs> Doff my ten-gallon hat. No, I, I, I think that my my status as a uh, a reporter from New York City was probably pretty written all over my face. I don't think I could have passed. Unfortunately, <laughs> ah, you shouldn't have brought that tweed jacket. Yeah, yeah. My my my, my hipster Brooklyn scruff and my you know. You actually uh, strapped Al Gore to your back. Like, <laughs> it, it made it really difficult to get around. It but. did. It did. But it was uh, you know it was worth it. Um, no, yeah. What I did have to offer these these kids, and why they were very much interested in talking to me, was publicity. They were very interested in getting their uh, their stories out there, getting their uh, their concepts and their designs, uh, you know, on our website and, and just sort of in front of people's eyeballs. They were they, this was sort of uh, uh, more than just a, a a competition. It was a, a networking event because there was also. Uh, SpaceX was there, uh, in addition to a number of other companies that, that, that sort of created a, a cottage industry of, of Hyperloop companies uh, were, were in attendance, uh, in addition to like a, a hoverboard company. So there was a lot of uh, you know business cards being passed back and forth. It wasn't just you know for the for the public education aspect of it. It was definitely uh, about making money at some point in the future. So these kids were hoping to get jobs, which is a perfect segue to. What is a Hyperloop? This week's podcast of What's Tech. Hello, 
Hello, and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from TheVerge.com. I'm your humble host, Christopher Thomas Plant, and today I am joined by my friend, my colleague, Andrew Hawkins, uh, transportation reporter at TheVerge.com. I, I, w- I was going to say a new addition to the team, but at yeah. this point, you're not. You've no, been here. You've like been here five for months. a while. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a good amount of time. It's, it's the first time, time I've done. It's the first time I've done this podcast. So. Well, that's a shame. That's I, my fault. Yeah, I I am a clown because <laughs> especially when we have today's topic, which people are gonna be like, why did we talk about anything else when we could be talking about a hyperloop, a thing that the name alone is the future. Like even if we don't get anything else, they've given us uh, a thing that sounds like it's plucked straight from a Ray Bradbury novel. Oh sure. Um, let's start there, top level. What is a Hyperloop? Uh, pretending that I am your great-great-grandfather who uh, is kind of grasping sure. you by the neck as I say goodbye to life and I have one final question. Well, well, Poppy, let me, let me just put it <laughs> to you this way. Uh, back in 2013, uh, Elon Musk, the billionaire inventor slash sex symbol for uh, engineering <laughs> sure. students and uh, sort of, you know electric car aficionados all across the globe, uh, introduced this concept of the Hyperloop by publishing this white paper online. And, and what he did was he sort of described uh, it as a uh, low-pressure tube in which uh, a levitating capsule carrying passengers or cargo would travel... 760 miles per hour through this tube and the idea was that it would this was a concept that could revolutionize uh transportation could revolutionize commerce you know san francisco to los angeles these two towns that are about 400 miles apart uh, a trip between them using a hyperloop would take 35 minutes he said um, so, you know, rather than, you know, having to uh, hop on a plane and, and, and sort of go through that whole uh, hassle or take a train or drive, which takes hours, you could take this futuristic tube-based pod that is sort of shot like a gun and, and approaches the speed of sound, essentially, uh, and it would take just, you know, uh, under under an hour. Uh, so it was a it was a really compelling uh, sort of revolutionary idea, but it's also it's it wasn't brand new. I mean, the idea of pneumatic tubes and things like that have been around for over a century. I mean, you you talk about uh, you know remember going to the bank and going through the drive through at the bank and, and you know sort of putting your uh, your check that you wanted to deposit you know in, a, in sort of a pre ATM era putting They've your been check around long enough that they're now retro it, it's pretty retro the the, the concept it, you know the, 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 my my memories of these of these pneumatic tubes are, are from childhood because but they still exist you know there's uh, you know various communities that have uh, pneumatic tube based trash systems and things like that but this would be uh, on uh, an entirely different level if you're we're talking about turning that sort of technology, that system into essentially what would be not just a high-speed train, but uh, a, a subsonic transportation system. Well, let, let's talk about that, uh, a high-speed train. I remember as a kid that I heard about bullet trains. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, just you wait. Bullet trains are the future and it's just uh, typical America. Uh, just isn't ready for it or just we're, we're not putting money in the right places. I know Joe Biden is a big fan of the train. Mm-hmm. Why Why the departure from train to something that seems wholly different? That was, uh, Musk tells the story where the idea came to him when he was stuck in traffic uh, in L.A. 
and uh, was just sort of thinking to himself, there has to be a better way. And obviously there are bullet trains and, and magnetic levitation trains in, in existence uh, in, in Japan, I believe, and some other places. And, and California itself is supposed to be getting a high-speed train uh, at some point in the future. This has been a project that's long been in the works and has been sort of seen the ups and downs of, uh, of politics and, and you know funding abilities and things like that. So the idea, I think Musk said to himself, well, that that's one way to go about this, but this would be twice as fast. So why settle for something like a high-speed train or a maglev train when we could be talking about this uh, the system that could be going not only twice as fast, but maybe at half the cost as well. The the, the uh, high-speed rail in California is is billions and billions and billions and tens of billions of dollars. Uh, Musk says that you could build a, a hyperloop between San Francisco and LA for a fraction of that cost for you know maybe six billion dollars. Although that 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 number has been questioned. You've mentioned San Francisco and LA a couple times. Is that really where a hyperloop would likely exist? And and why why there versus New York to DC or New York to Boston. I mean, the East Coast to me is where I picture something like this. I think the East Coast would be uh, an obvious candidate, but LA to San Francisco is is uh, was the was the example that Musk used in his paper, and it it is also where the companies. There's two startups. We can get to that at a certain point, but there's two startups that are actually engaged in the in the business uh, and in the in the uh, research and development of creating a hyperloop are based. They're both based in L.A. Uh, and the idea uh, about sort of where to put this sort of thing relies heavily on uh, right of way. So you need to, you need a, a long stretch of uh, to, uh, without having to stop essentially. Uh, if you're going to be able to achieve uh, the maximum speed and to get there as fast as possible. So if you're going to go from L.A. to San Francisco in 35 minutes, you need to be able to build a tube between those two cities and not have to stop at all. Uh, So the idea is to have it uh, built along uh, Interstate 5, uh, which connects those two cities. Um, And doing that would uh, ensure that you had the right of way, that you wouldn't be uh, obstructed by any sort of cross traffic or anything like that. D.C. to to New York, I think you're going to run into some more complications. Obviously, there are trains connecting those cities, but there's uh, the infrastructure there is much older um, and I think it's a little bit more circuitous. Uh, so whether or not you could achieve the speeds that you would need to to make this sort of thing plausible, I think is maybe a little bit more of a question. You mentioned the cost. Can you hit that again uh, using San Francisco, L.A.? What's the estimated cost? So, yeah, Musk said that this would only cost about $6 billion. Oh, only $6 billion, you know, just $6 billion, uh, which is about $11.5 million per mile. Uh, so that's about less than a tenth of the estimated cost of the, the high-speed rail um, that's, that is currently being planned for, for that same route. So my next question was, would it be practical? Uh, I guess that kind of answers itself in terms of at least cost. It would it would seem more practical. Sure. I mean, according to Musk, it, it would be. But there have there have been others that have come in and said, oh, this is you know that that's sort of pie in the sky. This kind of thing could cost you know up to twenty million dollars per mile as opposed so twice as much. So you know. 12 billion, uh, uh, 15 billion, even 20 billion is, is uh, some of the estimated costs that I've, I've seen. A key fact to this, though, is that uh, energy costs to run this thing, to run the Hyperloop, would be minimal because they would build, the, the tube uh, would have solar panels affixed to the outside of it. So it would run on its own energy, theoretically, 
and could also theoretically produce energy for the surrounding communities if it was constructed in such a way. So this not only, uh, you know, sort of the proponents, the the uh, evangelists, the Hyperloop evangelists will say, this is going to save us money. It actually could end up, you know, saving us money and, and producing energy at the same time. Okay, so I, um, what's the word for it? Negative, maybe, is the word for it. I, I see something like this and I, I can immediately see a horror show happening in terms of safety. And I, I, I understand this is not fair because you look at like death rates from uh, car accidents and that's its own horror show. But I imagine two scenarios and, and walk me through uh, how wrong I am here. One is you're going almost the speed of uh, sound and uh, for whatever reason you stop and then you literally turn into Campbell's soup uh, <laughs> against the wall. <laughs> and the other one is like, it costs all this money to build this thing. And then somebody, I don't know, like just puts a lot of manure uh, and detonates it mm. uh, somewhere along the way. And it, it's all for naught sort of thing. Are, are either of those real fears or are those things that like, I, I just don't know the science behind it or how they would construct it? No, a- absolutely. I mean, this would this would definitely be something that SpaceX or, or any other company that builds a Hyperloop will have to address head on. I mean, you're if you if you were, if you're going to build this thing, it's not worth the you know the ground that it's built upon if you can't convince anybody to step inside and actually give it <laughs> give it give it a ride. So you know the the passenger uh, capsules uh, which which coast through the tubes are being pushed by in front by a column of pressurized air, but they have these air compressors in front of them that then sort of filter the air behind them, and that's how they're able to achieve these speeds. So, but there's a there's a debate within the the hyperloop community, if you want to call it that, about whether or not these things should have sleds on the bottom of them or wheels, actual wheels that could uh, sort of engage a an emergency braking system if anything were to go wrong. That that's that's still something that needs to be worked out by by the folks that are actually involved in, in making this. But you know, it's very similar to you know safety inside of the hyperloop capsule is going to be very similar to I feel air travel. I mean, you're inside a pressurized yeah. tube, uh, similar to how you when you fly in a plane. So if there's any sort of leak or or you know uh, um, crack in the system. Uh, and there's a depressurization, you know, there would probably be masks that drop that you could then use to breathe through or something like that. And and there would have to be, and this is an interesting, an interesting idea. When I was at the, the pod competition in Texas, one of the presenters had an idea about uh, having some sort of airbag slash parachute type device that would explode or sort of uh, eject behind the, the capsule if there needed to be an automatic braking or some sort of emergency stop that could sort of fill the tube and bring the c- capsule to a, a slower speed and eventually a stop, which is kind of a, a, an interesting way of looking at this. But then you, I think you, you brought up an, another interesting point about uh, external security. You ha- you're talking about this, a tube um, that would be you know, mul- you know, hundreds of miles long uh, how could they provide security to, or, or ensure that no one's going to crash into this thing with a you know a, a truck full of explosives or any sort of devastating attack that you could conceive of? That's also going to be something that they're going to need to figure out whether or not these tubes are are elevated above the ground uh, on pylons or or some sort of column could be a way to address that so that they're sort of above traffic, away from people who might want to casually shoot at it with their gun or whatever. I mean, this is America after all. We're all packing. Um, But 
uh, I, I guess is in other words, that's just to say that they haven't quite figured out exactly how to keep I, how to keep it's this funny, thing. Like, safe, I went safe. so far with the explosive, but I, I didn't think like I'm just some fool being like, eh, well, I got a gun and it's just right there. I might as well be shooting at it. Why not? <laughs> you know, it's it's there. You know, people climb mountains because they're there. People shoot at things because they're there. That, that's, it's so true. Uh, I I mean, what makes me feel comfortable that this could actually happen is that air travel ever happened. Yeah. Like, when I think back on air, on air travel, especially in its uh, infancy, the idea is so preposterous of just creating, like, a little tube that you throw into the sky, and then it just lands somehow, often in storms. I, I, I am shocked that, that we are as okay with it as we are. But it works. It, it, we made it to space. I mean, we, we yeah. not only that, we, we threw ourselves up into space uh, on top of that. So, you know, this is this is something that, uh, you know, would still sort of be terrestrial. It would be, you know, based on uh, uh, on the ground. Uh, so for those of us that are, myself included, somewhat, you know, uneasy about plane travel, uh, air travel, uh, you know, th- this, that, this might be sort of a, a, a way to sort of a- alleviate some of those concerns. Sure. Okay. So tell me a little bit about how it's open source, the idea, mm. and what uh, what's come from that. Yeah. So that was a uh, Musk's uh, Elon Musk's sort of initial idea in publishing this this paper that he put online in 2013 was that he didn't want to own this idea. He wanted to put it out in the world and let people who are potentially smarter than him, although who's smarter than Elon Musk, let's be honest, take this idea and really run with it. So SpaceX, they, you know, they're, uh, they're building their own track, they're sponsoring competitions, uh, but they're very adamant about uh, not being sort of the owners of the Hyperloop and the concept of the Hyperloop. And they say that they'll never build a Hyperloop for commercial travel. Uh, that's going to be up to some of these other companies that are involved in this and uh, some of these engineering students that are now very inspired and uh, are taking this idea and really kind of injecting new energy and new and new sort of uh, new ways of looking at it. So it's kind of an innovative way uh, to bring this thing into uh, into fruition. And I, I think it's really a, a testament to, to Elon Musk and his uh, whole kind of ethos about wanting to change change the way that we travel and change the way that we, you know, uh, consume energy and sort of change, uh, you know, sort of uh, how our, our cities are laid out and how we decide where to live and where to work. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a, a real fascinating concept. That said, it's very possible that he could swoop in uh, at some point and try to claim ownership. I mean, I'm sure he's had his lawyers look into the idea. And if this thing looks like it's going to you know, make buku dollars, I, I would not be surprised if uh, Tesla or SpaceX tries to kind of uh, put the whole open, open source idea out to pasture. Okay, to kind of put a bow on all of this, what is the government's relationship to something like this? Because I mm. imagine... You know, bringing a hyperloop from San Francisco to L.A., you're going to need the government on board, at, at the very least supporting the idea. You can't buy that land. So so what what does that look like if this were to be real? Yeah, that that's definitely something that, that will need to be worked out in the future. Land acquisition is a big part of this, as well as um, uh, funding support from the government. I think one positive sign that the government is not completely turned off by this idea or think thinks that it's bat crazy is um, 
that the pod competition in Texas featured a keynote address from Anthony Fox, who's the Secretary of Transportation uh, on Barack Obama's cabinet. And uh, he was very into the idea. He called it, uh, had, said that it had its, uh, he called it a, a, quote, very solid idea and said that the government has a responsibility to support it. And uh, that was pretty much all that he offered in terms of specifics. I mean, they're not quite ready to hand over, I think, a uh, laundry bag with a dollar sign on, on the outside of it to anybody who wants to build a Hyperloop. But that said, I think that they could really get behind this. You know, he's the, the administration and the, specifically the Department of Transportation has taken a very anything goes all embrace of kind of approach to technology and transportation. You see it with, you know, their embrace of, of self-driving vehicle technology. And I think also with this, they want people to be coming up with ideas. They, I think that the idea is that the way we get around now and our infrastructure as it's laid out is not sustainable. In fact, it's falling apart and it's a mess. And so anyone who's got a better idea about how to do all of this is is welcome in their, in their, uh, from their point of view. I, I feel like I've learned, which is a sign of a good episode, I think. Oh, oh dear. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. It's, I didn't mean I, to make you learn. I, unfortunately, I had to sacrifice knowledge of something else. Uh, I no longer know anything about Zelda 2 on the Nintendo oh. Entertainment System. So, Well, you can always get that back. It's true. It's true. I'll sacrifice this in no time. Um, thank you for joining us today. Yes. Thank you for having me. Where can people find you? I, I know people can find you on TheVerge.com, but where on, like, say, Twitter.com? Uh, on Twitter.com, you can find me at Andy Jayhawk, A-N-D-Y-J-A-Y-H-A-W-K. Uh, and in real life, you can't find me at all because I don't want to be found. Perfect. You can find us at What's Tech on Twitter, and we're on The Verge every Tuesday with a new episode of the show. You can find us on all podcasting platforms. Uh, it does help us if you go to the iTunes store and leave a review. I know not everybody uses iTunes. iTunes? Oh my gosh. Wow. Listen, anyway, if you go there and leave a review, it helps. But what I encourage you to do is actually go and listen to another show and leave a review for that because we're just working on a pay it forward system now uh this week i recommend that you check out the ezra klein show it is from our sister site vox.com uh and i also recommend that you check out uh let's see what should i recommend how about mabim bam my brother my brother and me featuring two uh brothers from polygon.com justin griffin McElroy. if you're not listening to that already I'm shocked, but I, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, and two other thank yous. Thank you to our producer, Andrew Marino, who makes this show actually sound good. And that's it. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, we'll see you later. <laughs>